It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot Casino. Let the spinning wheel go round and the night go on. Moments you'll never forget. You're always going to have fun. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. Horse Racing Northwest from Emerald Downs heading into a three-day race week at the track. Join us on Friday night. That would be tomorrow, first race, 7 p.m. We've got a Fab Friday t-shirt giveaway. Our tradition on our first Fab Friday, you get a t-shirt with your paid admission. It's apparel for your wardrobe. And it's also good for free admission on all subsequent Fridays at Emerald Downs for the rest of the season. Joe Withy. Vince Brune and track announcer Bill Downs here on Horse Racing Northwest. Good to get together again, fellas. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi, guys. Yeah, the, and a Friday night, the horseshoe toss, right? That's right. Yes. The horseshoe toss is Can't back. That. Uh, Bill hasn't seen a ringer. Oh, no. No, we didn't have one last year. We haven't had one for a long time. No ringers at Emerald Downs. So, but uh, you can enter that, fill out your entry blank. We'll. Pick three contestants and do the horseshoe toss on Friday night. Saturday night after the races, dancing at the Downs. Get your tickets at emeralddowns.com. It's a Pat Benatar tribute. The music starts about 8 p.m. It's on the fifth floor. You can pay at the door. Um, Tickets are just a couple percent, a little bit less expensive if you buy them at emeralddowns.com. And we're just away... a week away from the Indian Relay races at Emerald Down, June 16th, 17th, and 18th, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, the Muckleshoot Gold Cup on Sunday. And Bill, you and Gail Skunk Cap are again uh, going to be calling the action. Can't wait. You know? At least I'll know some of the names of the, the, the yeah. tribes this year. So that was a learning experience, but uh, and also a learning experience just uh, seeing how, how things play out and seeing the the organized chaos, if you will, with the exchanges on the uh, front stretch and the back stretch. And uh, I guess we're going to have, what, 18 teams or yeah. something like that. So it will be uh, quite a spectacle as we uh, go through uh, those heats on Friday and Saturday. And, of course, uh, the consolation and the uh, and the whole big thing for the Muckleshoot uh, Gold Cup in the final. You know what else is next week is uh, we start stakes racing too. Yes. On uh, Sunday the 18th with the three-year-olds. They've got the Auburn for the Colts and Geldings and the Seattle for the three-year-old Phillies. Aloha Breeze. Yeah. Nominations for those both close on Saturday. Okay. Aloha Breeze worked this morning at Emerald Downs. You can catch part of that work on training day, which will be up uh, late Thursday afternoon. On our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube, type in Emerald Downs Training Day. You can watch Aloha Breeze in action. She had a nice work. I think it was 58 and 4. Okay, yeah. And then uh, Blaine Wright will join us next week on the podcast. He's going to have a horse in the uh, Auburn Stakes for Colts and Geldings next weekend. And I think Gail Skunkcap will be joining us as well on 
Horse Racing Northwest next week. Along you know, with... uh, what else about Blaine Wright, guys? Yeah. He's nearing a milestone. Yes. At 991 career wins. Um, so, and we know he shares his barn between Emerald Downs, and he has a big string down in Northern Cal. So we'll be monitoring that. He's sixth all-time at Emerald uh, with for 440 wins, third in stakes wins with 52. So oh, he's rapidly rising that list. Sure is. So we'll be looking back and forth with the racing in Northern California. I mean, it's conceivable it could happen this weekend. Yeah. You know, he had a four-win day here a few weeks ago, and he's always live down there. So we'll, Blaine, maybe we'll have a new milestone to talk about when we have him on next week. I believe it's five of the last seven uh, years he's been our leading stakes trainer. So that uh, is correct. Really, yeah. really climbing quickly there. Okay, we are moving on. We have that 10% takeout again on daily double and pick three wagers, just uh, an industry low, tremendous figure to get involved in race to race doubles and those rolling pick threes as well here at Emerald Downs. Um, favorites were pretty tough again last week. You know, our field size is growing. I looked at the horse population and it's up. Uh, little more this week than it has been recently. More horses moving in. I know Heath Lawrence brought, uh, he said, six horses in. One of them trained this morning, a uh, workout. So every little bit helps. Uh, favorites are just under 50%. So a lot of uh, a lot of tickets being cashed out there. Uh, Vince is working on Sunday's morning line right now. Um, do you want to give us a little hint what's going on Sunday? I haven't seen anything yet. Um, really just kind of getting going right okay. now. Um, yeah, it looks like we're going to have a $25,000 claimer for Phillies and Mares three and up is probably going to be the feature. We do have nine races. And of course the bulldog racing on Sunday. Looks like we got a real good, uh, maiden special weight for three-year-olds and up that drew 10. Wow. So, uh, that'll be the fifth race. That looks like just off the top of my head, going to be a very contentious betting race too. Uncle and, Pete go in there. Uncle Pete, there's a Pete in there, but it's, no, yeah, Uncle Pete's right there, you bet. Oh, so, boy. Joe, you're in action. And, We're going uh, maiden special weight. That's going to be tough. And as usual, Uncle Pete, who Joe's part owner of, has to run against Withy, who's from the <laughs> same barn, which Joe does not own part of. Right. Can you figure that all out? No. Well, Tom Wenzel was giving me grief this morning. He goes, when is this Withy going to start running better? Isn't that a little embarrassing? You I know, name, really naming horses after people he's, just doesn't work, you know? He's joking. Mostly. I know. I think. Oh, I yeah. I think. Anyway. Uh, okay, well, good to know. Nine races on Sunday, nine on Saturday. And yeah, you mentioned the Bulldogs, so a little extra entertainment. Boy, just like the Corgi races and the Wiener Dogs, the uh, fans in the neighborhood and the relatives, they all come out to support the local Bulldog. So we'll have a good crowd on Sunday, and those will be going on in between thoroughbred races here at Emerald Downs. Uh, weekly honors from last week, Vince? Yeah, we got... Uh... Our Jockey of the Week, this guy is really kind of catching on. Carlos Montalvo, he had a nice three-win day, and uh, he's doing, you know, as we've talked before, a pretty accomplished rider. Uh, trainer Jill Serrano, uh, she had two weeks. She's been, all her horses seem to be live at the meet. Mm -hmm. We could have given Trainer of the Week to Justin Evans. Of course, he had a four-win day, but Justin Evans and his uh, co-owners, Bill Tomasic, I believe it is, and Susan Tomasic, they're the owners of the week. And then the groom, we just mentioned Tom Wenzel. He's got a guy, Fernando Ochoa, doing some good work back there. So he is our groom of the week. Very good. Yeah. Justin Evans did win trainer of the week previously already. Uh, or did he? You know, I don't think he has oh, yet. okay. He will, of course. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good chance of it, yeah. Okay, so 
uh, news and notes. Uh, They're up. For, up available. For Perfect. June 8th. Yes. You know, and one of our guests today, uh, Paul Beatty of ESN Eli Sports Network, uh, does such a thorough job between uh, Vince's news and notes and Paul, Paul's uh, current, um, what do we call it? His current uh, submission on ESN. There's a lot of great info on Emerald Downs out there. There is, yeah. And Paul is, uh, he was down at the Winter Circle all day. I think yeah. it was Sunday and getting interviews and uh, getting involved. And uh, Paul knows a lot of stuff. He, me and Bill were talking. He knows a bit about HISA too. He's up on all those regulations that have become federal law here in the last year. So Paul would be good to have on. And he alerted me. Uh, I know you announced it. We had a little controversy at the end of the day on Sunday when uh, a horse didn't get a fair Do start. Do drop in. Yeah. And Mark Gibson, our uh, starter, had called the stewards before the finish of the race, he said. I called them before they hit the wire and said that you've got to declare mm -hmm. that horse a non-starter, which they did. And you announced. And uh, after that, I just kind of... And then Paul called, and he's got little tickets going everywhere, little, medium, and big tickets going all over the place. He goes, hey, isn't there supposed to be a consolation double to number four? I go, yeah, yeah, he was declared a non-starter, which means he's scratched. And so uh, he goes, well, there isn't one, really. So I went into the mutual room and found out that stewards had made a little mistake there on uh, not scratching do drop in number four from the mutual pools. Thus, their money wagered on them was did, going in to pay out. Did, yeah, so did, all yeah. that money should have been refunded when yeah. place show. And then also that would have affected the payouts on the winner. Um, you know, instead of 1180. 1080 uh, was turned out to be. Dropped a dollar to, uh, to 1080, yeah. Yeah, I knew that something was up when I didn't see the Constellation double payout. Yeah. And, okay. And so, yeah. What are you going to do? Like I said, I just call the races around here yeah and so it was an oversight so what was happening was the money on the four was in the pool going out to make the winning payoffs and people who bet on number four were getting refunds on their wagers which they should because the horse was a, a non-starter as a scratch so the stewards did clean that up after a little bit uh, mostly after everybody went home um, then the payoffs were reconfigured with the proper pool right. size of reflecting a scratch of number four. So if you were an ADW better, which so yeah. many people are, then your your total that's, went down. That's easy with the ADWs to make yeah. the adjustment. But I just hope there was no one out there that threw their tickets away yeah. on on the four uh, do drop in yeah. after, uh, you know, because you were fully entitled to a refund, as Mark Gibson told you, if the horse didn't get a fair start. And, you know, I watched that head on a few times and it was clear something happened with the horse that that delayed the start but i couldn't quite see the assistant starter i don't know if you guys were it's able to tough because there's shadows and and whatnot and that that's what makes it difficult i just you could see whoever was got caught up there and so you know what the stewards like to see what i remember from when um you know talking to stewards in ohio they like seeing the the hands go up in the air when they don't see the hands go up in the air, they know something's going, you know, right away. They know something's up. And so they got that, that part right for sure. Uh, the horse should have got, should be uh, declared a non-starter. I don't think anyone's arguing that. So, 
Um, good call on that, but then everything else just needed a little bit of cleaning up, and Joe uh, talked about that already. Yep. So, Okay, so yeah, Paul Beatty's going to join us of Eli Sports Network. Also going to join us on the show is Anthony Stabile, the Big A, and he's been in the news quite a bit lately. Of course, the Big A, well-known to Northwest race fans and handicappers from his many, many, many appearances since... 2004 on the Win Play Show and Horse Racing Northwest, and a great run of uh, selecting winners in the Belmont Stakes, especially. We're we're going to talk the Big A, and of course, more recently, uh, quite a bit in the news because Naira is uh, one of the main faces of thoroughbred racing in North America, New York Racing Association. He's been a television personality for them for uh, quite a while, more prominently in the last couple of years, and he had. Uh, a uh, little controversy back there with Anthony's not on the air there. He'll talk about that a little bit, and uh, but he'll also talk Belmont Stakes as well. So Anthony Stabile going to join us and Paul Beatty in uh, our upcoming segments. Uh, what about last week, fellas? Uh, any impressions of uh, on the racetrack from the seven races Saturday and the nine on Sunday, Bill? Well, uh, Vince, you have one. I got two. So well, gonna... one, one not so much. I'm sure I could have thought of a couple of horse ones, but the, the, I told both you guys on Sunday, I'm really impressed with this Silvio Amador's writing. Um, you know, he, I, I knew he had credentials cause I've seen him ride in Northern California and, you know, he was certainly one of the top guys down there. Um, but man, he's a, he's a pretty strong finisher. He's pretty, pretty darn good rider. And I, I think he's going to be right there all, all year long. I know he's not one of marbles oh, guys. Can't, and not one of marbles guys. <laughs> but uh he can ride a little bit yes. and uh yeah so he's a he's a solid addition i mentioned you know also montalbo you know he showed what he can do with three wins in a day and uh so it's you, you guys have mentioned before the colony is a bit tougher this year yes it uh, is and i tweeted that out a few days ago about uh under the radar a little bit be- just because He's not part of the uh, triumphant of uh, marbles jockeys if you will so it can uh, be nagron radke and and our man uh, Luis Negron, Negron Racky, and, and uh, Alex Cruz, our mm-hmm. three-time defending champ. Yeah. So the fact that he's uh, tied with the uh, Cruz after the first month of the of the season is something to That's be right. said. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Silvio Amador is somebody you should be taking a look at. But uh, two horses from last weekend that I thought ran uh, great. Um, one of which, uh, prime example, uh, just won a. Now it's a two lifetime $15,000 claimer and uh, was uh, on a drop down in class for Justin Evans and drew away to win by almost 10 lengths, but could have won the race by 15 or 20 if they really, really wanted to run up the score. Unfortunately, prime example, if you're, uh, if you're Justin Evans, uh, got claimed out of that race of four $15,000 by uh, trainer Tina Birdwell, who's been claiming a heck of a lot more horses than I remember uh, last season. And, uh, It'll be interesting to see where Prime Example goes next. Uh, if it'll be allowance or or some, finding a, some sort of now, there's a three lifetime claiming race for a high enough claiming price. That's always a little more difficult than that that you know you want to. Uh, but sometimes you just got to put horses in spots. But Prime Example, I think, uh, is is a horse to watch next time. And then that allowance optional claiming race on Sunday, where Let's Declare Peace got yeah. up. I don't think that, you know, there was a little bit of a headwind uh, up the backstretch, but, um, 
you know, I didn't think the pace in that race was fast what at all. Uh, you go girl and uh, zip and sevens uh, both uh, were first and second. Let's declare peace was dead last early on and was able to uh, wear down. You go girl and zip and sevens in the last 16th to get up for the win for uh, Chad and Josh and trainer uh, Frank Lucarelli. And uh, let's declare peace. I thought ran ran great because I didn't think the the race shape. Uh, win against her in that spot, but uh, she did get up yeah. for the win. I thought all three of those ran really good. Zip and uh, sevens, you know, not... Zip and sevens, yeah. you guys said, maybe better around two turns, but she she ran great in her season debut. You go, girl, that was a tough loss because she was right in there knocking heads the whole way, and she's an under-the-radar uh, horse here at Emerald Downs. She's run too good yeah. to lose a few times now, and then let's declare peace, like you guys mentioned. That was a nice win. Yeah, I was, uh, you know... and. Zippin' Sevens, what a great story last year. I just looked at her first start of 21 and her first start of 22, and she just wasn't her best in each one of those. So I was taking a slightly negative view against a tough field, but she ran huge for trainer Alan Bozell. Um, Alex Cruz aboard lost a tough one. And by the way, Bill, I'm just looking at the charts from last week. Prime example did have the fastest time at five and a half of uh, several races at that distance over the and last ra- two days. Wrapped up in the last 16th. Yeah. I mean, if they can find an allowance non-winners of three, I think that would be uh, that would be ideal. But, uh, you know. The only thing is I think that horse has had quite a bit of action lately, so it might need to wait a couple weeks. I'm guessing. So. 103 and 1 for prime example on Saturday. Let's declare peace. Won that feature on Sunday in 103.52, 103 and 2. So, uh, yeah, some good action last week. We're looking for more this weekend. Uh, one thing I noticed was, you know, favorites were kind of rolling in last weekend and big wins as well from a lot of the favorites. Justin Evans, uh, awesome on Saturday with four starters and four winners. But the last four races on Sunday, we had uh, a great finish in the sixth. Your Royal Coil, huge, uh, tough on the front end over Frisco Frills and in the vault at six to one. Anna's Iron Man, a head better than executive action. And a Barrage Mirage right behind at uh, two to one second favorite. And then Let's Declare Peace was the third choice at seven to two in that great finish. And Mo Connolly was... Uh, Nine to two. The fourth Four. favorite, yeah. She ended up paying- Four uh, to one, got, yeah. Got reduced, that's right, down to 1080 on the official payoff. So uh, some good multi-race wagers there. Okay, uh, once again, racing Friday night, Fab Friday. Uh, we've got more to come here on Horse Racing Northwest, and we're going to come right back with Anthony Stabil, the big A, here on the show. Muckleshoot? Yes! Yes! yes let's It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot Casino. Let the spinning wheel go round and the night go on. Moments you'll never forget. You're always going to have fun. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. It's General A-Rod, totalist. Here's California Chrome on the far outside, and he's a furlong from immortality. He is up on the outside of Commissioner. Here's Wicked Strong in the center of the track. Commissioner, California Chrome on the outside. Totalist, totalist, Commissioner. It won't be a triple crown this year. It's going to be close. It's going to be very close and total. 
Tonalist won the 2014 Belmont Stakes, the first win by Sire Tappet in the Belmont, who now has four winners, Tonalist, Creator, Tappet, and Essential Quality. And the race was also chosen back then on the Win Play Show on KJR by our good Northwest buddy and uh, horse racing old soul for his age, Anthony, Big Ace to Bill. Anthony, great to have you on. Joe, Vince, Bill, it's great to be on. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Doing well. Good, Anthony. Anthony's back in New York, New York, where, uh, you know, Belmont Park did cancel today. But as far as right now, everything's a go for this weekend, I'm hearing, Anthony. Yeah, should be good. Good. Um, I think they have the side of caution today. It was probably the smart move. Uh, with everything that's going on in the sport lately, I, there was no, you know, nothing they really could do. Uh, they had to cancel. The weather here, the air here is exponentially better. That's great to hear. In the yeah. last couple of days, that's funny though to talk to somebody who spends a lot of time in cigar lounges. I'm used to smoky air, so um, <laughs> it's 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 a much it's much better. Than, I mean, it was literally orange. We were joking in the cigar lounge. It looked like Tatooine, the desert planet in Star Wars, here the last couple of days. Um, red, red suns, and it was it was pretty wild. But now, uh, now everything looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the news reports, it's uh, not looking too good air quality. But uh, Anthony joined us in 2004 on the Win Play Show. Bruno Zaluble was our first. Uh, well, actually, our second director of media relations. And uh, before he headed back to New York to work for Naira, Bruno uh, learned the sport out here. He was brand new in 1996 to racing. Anyway, he started getting me some guests for the Win Play show because, of course, Bruno and I worked together. And uh, for the Land's End stakes of 2004, he goes, hey, you, okay, yeah, I got a guy for you. He's He's got the... He's got the talk. He's got the New York accent, but he really knows racing. He's a young guy, but uh, so we put him on, and he picked Sinister G that day, Big A, at 16 to 1, an easy winner. I know that horse had shipped in from New York where he'd won a couple, but uh, that was a great start to your Northwest experience. Yeah, one of my best friends, Rob Toscano, owned him. Brother Paul wrote him. Father John trained. Oh, it was a family affair. And, yeah. Um, yeah, he, we also gave out, if you remember, Joe, one of my favorite, probably my favorite, one of my favorite turf horses of all time, Shakespeare, won a little, uh, little stakes at Gulfstream that day before the year layoff. And yeah, it was a good, it was a good day. I was actually at my friend Dan Heather's wedding. Dan used to join you on the show, and I filled in for Dan that day because he was at his wedding. That was a wild day. Uh, but it was a fun day and, and a profitable one. I yeah. paid, I was able to pay for the wedding gift. I can tell you that for sure. Awesome. Yeah. 16 to 1 winner, Sinister G, who uh, Vince, by the way, was by Maddie G, who didn't do all that well as a sire out here in Washington, but he had a good one in Sinister G. I remember that G. horse, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then Anthony, you know, he started really giving us great New York information, and, and that grew a lot. Uh, we'd have you on Kentucky Derby Day live from wherever you were, and uh, the the uh, Belmont Stakes, though, was really your wheelhouse, man. Uh, tonalist. Oh, before that, though, there was Drosselmeyer and Union Rags, and then you really got on a run with uh, Creator and Taprit, uh 
shoot, where is that list? Right here. Tis the law in 2020. And last year, you didn't pick the winner, but you basically gave us a money-making proposition with a cold box of the Philly Nest and the winner, Mo Donegal, and that paid pretty well. Yeah. The Belmont Stakes, the beast of the Belmont, yeah. I like to call myself for the hey. uh, for the three weeks between the Preakness and the Belmont. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a nice run. Um, thankfully... I think I have the winner this year as well. I actually oh. like the horse a lot. I think we can make some money in this year's renewal. Um, okay, the we'll talk about so, that in just a moment. Um, your life has changed a little bit the last few weeks. You know, uh, Naira is uh, certainly front and center in North America when it comes to thoroughbred racing and all of us that follow it. And, and you had a position there of, of uh, prominence uh with naira television and fox television and all that and and uh so um give us a little bit what you can of uh you know there was some controversy i know you got into an argument um i never saw the video but uh you're not on anymore and uh does that come to an end it has yeah my 10 year old red naira is over um i'm to say thankful and grateful is uh, just doesn't seem enough. And uh, wish them all the best. Um, uh, I got a few things cooking. I've been doing some uh, some announcing up at Yonkers Raceway I've, since I was eight years old. Hmm. All I've wanted to be was a race announcer. And uh, I'm going to get some opportunities to do that up there. I'm going to call a couple more days in June. And then uh, looks like I'll be splitting the remainder of the summer. Uh, with another announcer down there, but yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be up at Yonkers half the week uh, during uh, during July and August, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Hopefully, uh, something permanent, not out of the realm. Okay, well that's great. You know, we need you in the sport uh, and all that, and so I'm it, not going anywhere, guys. Okay, I'm not going anywhere. But even if I do, I know I always got you guys, yeah. so I, I'm 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 safe. Well, yeah, I mean regularly. For going on 20 years now. Yeah. And there were plenty of times I did not have a calling card. And you were far, but we know long before the national television and all the stuff over at Naira, I was always welcome wherever you were. And that means more to me than you'll ever know, likely. Well, and, uh, I don't think that'll ever change. Uh, if it hasn't changed in 20 years, it probably ain't going to change for the next 20. That's great to hear. You know, I'm, I know when I'd call you for your first appearance of the year, you say, oh, God, this is a call I always want to get early in the year. A call from Seattle, Joe Withy, getting on the Win Place show. Uh, our listeners certainly appreciated all your great information. You know, I mean, in sports, uh, in thoroughbred racing, we want to hear opinions. We want to hear convicted opinions with the... Uh, data to back them up and and you've always had that and we appreciate it um i i you know you probably don't want to talk about it but you just uh you had the incident you were basically in defending a, a trainer back there that you knew well and uh you had a business relationship with her amira chikakli and uh just a little bit of an argument ensued, did it? Or do you want to, do you, can you talk about it at all? I can't, I can't really talk about it. Okay. I, the one thing I will say is I did the right thing. And 
there are people in my life that are very important to me uh, that feel the same way. Not all of them. <laughs> not all. Not all of them. Um, but the yays outweigh the nays. And at the end of the day, not to be too uh, braggadocious or that's not even the right word for it. My head hits the pillow at night knowing I did the right thing. And when all is said and done, in any aspect of life, you can always bring it back to racing. There are plenty of times where you'll take a strong opinion on a horse and maybe you'll get a bad ride or take a bad beat, but your opinion was good. Um, and, you know, there's no jock to blame. There's no trainer to blame. Um, you know, it's just you got beat. And, uh, you know, you, you, you live with it. I made a decision. I have to live with it. But my pal- my head hits the pillow at night. I would say when I jump in bed, but I don't sleep in a bed. I sleep in a chair. Um, <laughs> when my head hits the pillow at night, I know I did the right thing. Very good. Okay. On to that. And, uh, yeah, Anthony has called a couple of days at Yonkers. How far is that from where you live? Um, it, mileage? Mileage about 30 actual time a day and a half on, on some days yeah um yeah it's but you know what i got enough stuff that's going to keep me busy um that i you guys will be the first to know i got i got i got as you would imagine joe i got plenty of irons in the fire right now um i have stuff that'll keep me busy so you know spending some time at the racetrack sitting outside lighting a cigar up I'll, uh, I'll have something to keep me busy. I, I promise you that. Very good. And uh, uh, you mentioned to me uh, yesterday that you're still you still have that association with the Mohegan Sun casinos, yep. some of the biggest in North America. And uh, uh, you spent a lot of Triple Crown race days at those places. I know. Yeah, Breeders' Cup as well. Mm. Um, for the first time, I shouldn't say for the first time. I was actually at Mohegan. When Union Rags and Tonalist won, hmm. I was their virtual racing racetrack announcer. My first racing announcer gig. <laughs> um, and I'll be there this year co-hosting the best party in the Northeast, the best Belmont Stakes party in the Northeast, uh, with co-host Mike Mitmanski, who's a radio personality up in Boston. Mike and I uh, do these uh, regularly. Uh, we have a blast. Mike's great. Um, you know, we always do a really good job. It's a, it's a, it's a popular day. It's a fun day. We usually make some money, uh, thanks to Brad Bryant and, and Zach Montoya and everybody over at Mohegan Sun, uh, who continue to support me. Very good. Well, you teased us. You like a horse in the Belmont. Let's uh, get to that. I do. Let's hear about that. You know, it was last year. It's funny, you know, tis the law. And I hate to say it, but I kind of don't even count it because of everything going on. Mile and an eight, the first leg, it's just, you know, um, didn't make a ton of my, I think Alexandra won the Jiper that year. And that might be my new, that might be my new race. I, I've hit the Jiper, I think, the last four years in a row. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I made a big double and I wound up making a lot of money that day. Uh, just getting to the law home. We didn't have any of the, any of the tricks in the race, but made some money with that double and getting to the law home. Uh, and then the last couple of years, essential quality. I just tried to beat the favorite with no agenda. He didn't run any, he didn't run that well. Um, 
And then, uh, and then last year we hit the box. I, you know, people ask me all the time what I think is the most important aspect of finding the Belmont Stakes winner. And this is a very simple answer that you need to kind of get into a little bit. We have some time. So the Kentucky Derby holds the key to the Belmont Stakes. No other race has more influence on the Derby. And what I mean by that is when you watch the Derby replay, you're either going to find a horse or two, maybe three or four, that intrigue you, or you're going to think the race is no good. So to me, in 2014, my rate, it was all about tonalists for me, but that opinion was not only based on his talent, not liking really anybody out of the Derby. In fact, the Peter Pan is actor that paid $22.60 in the Peter Pan came back and paid $348 mm. in the Belmont Stakes. So who was that that was second? For me that year, commissioner was second. Oh, commissioner. He was second okay. in both races. So this year, I feel is the opposite. I feel the Derby holds the key. Maybe not necessarily everybody who ran in the Derby, because both the morning line favorite, Forte, of course, scratched. I was a big fan of Forte's, and I think Forte has a big chance on Saturday. He's not my selection, but I do believe as far as the horse flesh that's walking onto that racetrack Saturday evening at around 6.50, I do believe he's the best horse in the race. I don't know if he's going to get the 12 furlongs. I don't know if he's going to do it off 10 weeks, though I am a big believer in his fountain of youth being his best race to date, and that was off the November layoff. So... I know it's different to get a horse back from a, a, a lengthier layoff than it is off 10 weeks. But you got to remember, I think this is very important when you're thinking about Forte. He missed the Derby, and if we're really calling a state of state here, he probably shouldn't have missed the Derby. If everything that was going on at Churchill that week that hadn't gone on, a horse that had a slightly bruised foot, he would have probably been able to make it to race day. And I would have still bet on him. I, that, but to me, that injury was so inconsequential, I would have not changed anything on Derby day. And then they're informed on Monday that he's on a 14-day vet list. Vet list. So he trained hard. He trained for the Derby. They knew they couldn't run him in the Preakness pretty quickly. So he started training for the Belmont. Todd's record, his trainer Todd Fletcher's record in the Belmont is speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. You know, even, though, even when he doesn't win them, those horses all seem to fire in the Belmont Stakes. So he's not going to walk him over there if he's not 100% and he's ready. And a lot of people say, well, you're going to try to get a violence to go 12 throws. Sometimes 12 is easier than 10. The way the race develops, sometimes 12 is easier than 10. And I'm not saying that's the case this year because I like this field. I think this is a nice group of horses in this race this year, um, especially the top four. My top four, I feel like they're all really nice horses. But I do feel like Forte is the most talented out of all of those horses. But he's not my top pick. Hmm. Well, who is your top pick? Well, I'll come right to the chase, okay? Sure. Um, I love Hit Show. I oh, love the number seven Hit okay. Show. When you watch the Derby, and it's funny, because it's not only guys watching his Derby, 
you watch his Wood Memorial, and sometimes the best thing you could do in this game is admit you're wrong. So going into the Derby, I didn't like him at all. I felt like he had to win the Wood Memorial from the position he was in at the quarter ball. You know, he had the tough draw. He had the, you know, he had the cleanest trips. He got himself involved in that, that proverbial dogfight through the lane. Um, and he's in between horses. He's in the worst spot. And he still only got beat to Bob. Um, I didn't like him going into the Derby. And then he proved me very wrong in the Derby. His Derby effort, you go by, and this is what I mean. So I watched the replay about a dozen times this week. And if you isolate him from the one hole, and he's pretty easy to see with the Gary and Mary West pink and black, uh, breaking from the rail, and the Manny Franco will ride him again in the Derby, in the Belmont on Saturday. He had to ride him every step of the way. And it was kind of in section. So from the start to the three-eighths pole, uh, from, to the start to the to about three-eighths of a mile or seven-sixths of a mile in the race, he's along the inside. He's got to ride him for position. He's got to ride him for position. Um, and you see they put the half-mile time up, and he finally is uh, man, he's able to get him off the inside. But even when he gets off the inside, they're going 45 and some change. He's got to ride him to not lose position again because – why waste all of that energy using the position on the inside to get outside and then lose position? So Manny had to stay after him, and they were going really fast from 45 and 22 and change, 45 and change. So he's chasing that the whole way. He's never really more than four or five lengths off of that pace. Now he's went from saving ground and not losing position to being four or five wide and not losing position. He gained ground from the half-mile pole to the quarter pole. He comes into contention. He's third. Um, at one point, he's not a length. He's not a half length from the lead. And this whole time, he is under a drive. And finally, at the eighth pole, he kind of looked at Manny and said, I, I think I had enough today, buddy. And mm-hmm. he didn't even, like, stop. He just kind of, like, stayed on. He lost ground, but I think that was more the horses closing running away from him than him backing up. He gets beat six lengths and change. I mean, you go and isolate him. What an effort this horse ran. And I, I noticed it right away after that. I was like, wow, that horse ran really well. He was lonely inside. And when you go back and, like, actually watch it and isolate him, it, it was absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable effort from that horse. Yeah. Bang up race. Brad's had plenty of success. Oh, sorry, guys. Brad's had plenty of success uh, here in New York. He won the Belmont two years ago with a central quality. So I have a lot of confidence. And, man, he's one of my favorite riders. Well, that's that's the detailed trip right there, and I think the rest of you guys, you know, hit show from the one hole. Who has run well from the one hole in these 19 or 20 horse fields in the Kentucky Derby in a lot of years? And I, I picked him out, wow, you know, right away. And as Anthony said, Bill, uh, Manny Franco had to ride him a lot during that race. Yeah, post position-wise, uh, that's to me the... I would not want the the one hole yeah. in the Derby. I, when's the last time, like Ferdinand or something like that? That boy, I, yep. yeah. Okay. So, uh, Anthony, I want to talk about the Peter Pan winner, Archangelo, um, and I I came away very impressed with the win. I didn't think it was the fastest pace in the world, and Bishop's Bay, who's a, also an up and coming runner. Uh, was right on the pace and uh, took the lead in, in deep stretch. And Archangelo came back and uh, 
and re- reclaimed the lead and was able to hold them off. What's your opinion of Archangelo uh, in the Belmont on Saturday? So I, I think Bishop's Bay ran the much better race than the Peter Pan. Okay. And I say to myself, how much would I want to bet on Bishop's Bay in the Belmont? And the answer is zero. Um, he did the dirty work. like and, and that was a flawless. He did the dirty work. He didn't go that fast. But you know what? To me, when it's more contentious, kind of alternating and chasing, even if it's a slower pace, I'd rather a horse be on his own going 23-46 than a horse in contention going 24-48. And I know I'm in the minority there. But I think when they're freewheeling and, and, and left to their own devices and not being hounded and harassed, I think it's a far different story than when they're in this, you know, they're in the, they're in the trenches and they're in this battle. So to me, that horse got a perfect setup. Javier Castellano, Hall of Famer, is just in, I mean, you want to talk about a renaissance. Him and his Asian PJ Campo are doing an amazing job right now. He gave the horse a flawless ride. And... You know, it's what's weird about him. This is his first start around two turns. Okay. He has never been two turns because the mile and an eighth of Belmont's one turn. Yeah. He's never been two turns. I know he's improved uh, fairly dramatically in all of his starts on the buyer scale. I, I just, I don't know about him coming off such a big effort. That's the other thing I worry about, too, coming back in the four weeks and reacting a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened as well. So he's going to be worse. He's going to take some money. Um, that I'm kind of against. Okay, and he is out of a tap at Merrill. Just throw that in there. Archangelo, number three, eight to one morning line for uh, trainer Antonucci, Jenna M. Antonucci. Um, Anthony, before we let you go, uh, your your uh, the Jiper is in your wheelhouse as well. Uh, you like anybody there on Saturday? Well, you know, I'm not. If I went to the if I went to the engagement party with my man Leon Seidler and I went to the wedding, yeah, I'm going to go to the, to the third anniversary. I I don't know how you knock Casa Creed, and Caravelle's going to take a ton of money. I don't think Caravelle's going to have the the, the the easiest time of the draw. You know, they're they're both outside draws, and you say, well, if you like Casa Creed from the outside draw. There's a difference. The other Philly is going to be the Philly's going to be the man, I should say. It's going to be in contention the whole way, and we know Casa's going to be, you know, hanging around back of the back, ready to make the one mud. And I think post affects him a lot less than it does the mayor. So I mean, the mayor's very logical. I think I'm the mayor second. I'm gonna, I'm not, um, I'm gonna post my picks on Twitter at the Big Ace Cabeal. Um So. If you want to go get everything, uh, it's on Twitter at the Big Ace. It will be tomorrow or Saturday morning. I haven't decided. I'm probably going to wait for scratches. This is, this is the freedom of not having to post anything anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I can wait for scratches. There's nothing worse than having to post your picks a couple of days in advance, put up tickets in, in advance. You know, the tickets was something I would never do. The tickets will not will, – I will not post a ticket until the scratches are out. I don't think that's uh, – I think that's a disservice to the fans. Um, I will not post a ticket until the scratches are out. So any plays I put out during the day will be, you know, relatively closer to post time. But I'll put all the picks up on Twitter probably Saturday morning after the scratches. Very good. Well, that's how Bill does it. He waits for the scratches. To, oh, yeah. To I put, mean, it, to put, nothing worse than having to make picks like five, six days ahead of time. Yeah. Not knowing the weather, not knowing the scratches. It, it is uh, maddening sometimes that the – 
what public handicap public handicappers have to go through. Anthony, great to hear your voice, and uh, you're happy and confident. That's even better uh, as your horse racing career takes a turn. But uh, uh, always, of course, love to have you on with us out here. And uh, we're going to meet in person one of these days. But in the meantime, the information is fantastic. And uh, all the best, man. Hey, Chris, uh, Jeff Bridges won an Academy Award in Crazy Heart for uh, portraying Otis Bad Blake. And uh, he has a line he has a line at the end of the movie, little gas left in the tank. Plenty of gas left in the tank. We'll right. talk to you guys soon. Right on. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony Stabil, the big A, joining us Belmont Week, as he has for a whole lot of years, either, again, on the Wind Place Show or Horse Racing Northwest. So thanks much, Anthony. So, uh... Belmont Memories or Belmont Selections. Bill, uh, sounds like he's leading a little bit toward that Archangelo there. Yeah, Archangelo and Angel of Empire for me. Angel okay. of Empire likes to come from the clouds, kind of had to wait in the Derby. Yes, the Derby was a fast pace, but he just had to wait for Mage to make his move, and uh, he finished up well. They're putting the blinkers on. So uh, three and eight for me. Forte is the one, um, you know, Anthony laid it out. Uh, he does make a logical uh, explanation for obviously for the layoff so layoff might not yeah you know, i know there's a history in the belmont with the layoff but forte's kind of kind of has an exception in terms of why he's been on the layoff uh as anthony explained so uh he could he certainly is uh, uh you know he's ha- has the most headlines has the most talent looks like on paper but uh I, 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 I take a little bit of a different opinion in terms of Ar- Archangelo's win in the Peter Pan. It just wasn't a fast pace. I mean, you know, and uh, Archangelo likes to come from off the pace. So uh, Archangelo, like Angel of Empire, will be closers. And, uh, you know, hit show, though, he makes a very good point. Both both uh, the Wood Memorial and the Derby didn't have the best posts at all. Uh, this is a, his first time in the last uh, three races where he's he has a decent post. And uh, he, he did. I would agree with what Anthony said. He did have to. Franco had to use this horse that first uh, furlong and a half in the Derby to, to really make sure to, to keep some position. And they made a middle move into those hot fractions. And so, uh, off of Anthony's opinion, I certainly uh, could. could uh, I will be using Hit Show in my uh, my pick five wager for sure. Very good. I've got a Belmont memory. 1998. Mike Pegram lived in Mount Vernon, just up north of Everett. He came down here after Real Quiet won the Kentucky Derby. We had a press conference. He came down to Emerald Downs. We had another press conference up on the sixth floor, 20-some people, media. After he won the Preakness, he goes to the Belmont, and I got to go because there was two local TV stations that wanted to get Mike on live on the afternoon news, and I helped line those up. And you guys remember the race? Real Quiet was trying to become the first Triple Crown winner since affirmed in 1978 and he opened up the five length lead in mid stretch and and victor Gallup got him on the line and, and uh, there was a group of us from here and mike puich was one of them and he was mad you know we hadn't even seen the results of the photo but it you know he had an idea that he might have got beat on the wire and mike's running through the grandstand that horse is coming down meaning victory Gallup when and then you saw the head on real quiet actually came out into victory gallop a little bit, but history was not made. 
in the Triple Crown, it was a tough beat. Real Quiet was a grade one winner at ages two, three, and four. He had a great career. Yeah, that, that would have been something. You talk about n- not wanting to be a steward. Exactly. Imagine having to make that call if Real Quiet would have held, held on. I think he would have had to been DQ'd. I mean, if they didn't do it, then, you know, I, don't, I guess you can never DQ a horse. Uh, but what that would have been the woulda, coulda, shoulda if uh, Real Quiet uh, yeah. held on. Oh, whether my or not. gosh. What, what do you think? We remember that, Vince. We were both out in Southern California at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Traditionally, the triple crown races they've been reticent to take horses down although we did see that a couple of years ago uh when the derby winner was uh uh dq'd but uh that would have been a 50 50 oh. i think so that and then the, been... the, the big bonus that back in the day five million dollar bonus was yes. on the line and frankly you know who didn't think it coming to the stretch that real quiet was gone yeah i mean yeah because everyone you know everyone talks about you know the bellman you got to be there at the top of the stretch or at least in contention and he opens up and he looks like he's gone and then oh, and then victory gallop uh, ran him down yeah, yeah well surreal. My 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 memory is the obvious one, and it's fifty years ago. Secretariat, yeah. young kid growing up in Kirkland, I knew very little about horse racing except a brother who had interest in it. Remember watching it on what was it CBS that day? Yeah. And uh, even I, you know, a real greenhorn neophyte, could see what a great uh, racehorse that was coming down the stretch. And they recently found the or. Somehow, you know, Dave Johnson called it on track. That's right. In 1970. You always, hear, you always heard the Chick Anderson call, which was on CBS back in the day. Yeah, you can hear the Johnson one now. Too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Then that's that's interesting to kind of match them up. And, uh, you know, it's sort of what we they do these days with, with, with uh, you yeah. know, Larry's Colmas calls the NBC. And then the local announcer, you know, Travis for the, for the uh, Derby. Dave Robin for the Preakness, and now uh, John Ambriel yeah. for the Belmont. Nothing against Dave Johnson, but but Chick Anderson's call was uh, fit the moment perfectly yeah. because it was, he it was very descriptive. He is wide and he's moving like a tremendous oh, machine. It just that was, you know I watched that race once or twice a year, and it never fails to get me. Just really, my goodness, how exactly. good was that horse? You know, and then and the horse coming down the stretch, and you can see the people with their arms cheering and all that. It was oh. just a great moment in American sports history. That it was. Uh, really, he was on the cover of Time and Newsweek and Sports Illustrated. And I mean, everybody loved Big Red. It just, uh, you it know. It had been 25 years since a triple Right, since Citation in 48. And uh, it was just all the, you know, we were spoiled growing up a bit in the 70s with, you know, then you then along comes Seattle Slew and then it comes a firm and, you know, Spectacular Bid in 79 was a great horse. It was just a great time. We're going to play that 1973 Belmont in its entirety on our big screen at Emerald Downs this Saturday prior to the running of the Belmont Stakes. Okay. Hey, thanks to the Big A Anthony Stabile. And we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Paul Beatty of Eli Sports Network here on Horse Racing Northwest. Muckleshoot? Yes! 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 It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot Casino. Let the spinning wheel go round and the night go on. Moments you'll never forget. You're always going to have fun. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. Horse Racing Northwest continues our third and final segment on this week's show. Again, racing at Emerald Downs, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Friday night, first race, 7 p.m. 
Fab Friday t-shirt night. Get that t-shirt come to the track on Friday. And uh, as I mentioned in our earlier segment, uh, Vince Bruin's news and notes at emeralddowns.com is uh, fantastic for horse players and racing fans. And Paul Beatty of Eli Sports Network has some tremendous copy at his website as well, thorough and involved and has his own personal takes. And Paul, you've done it again, man. Nice work last weekend. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, uh, I enjoy covering it. And uh, we got we got through, uh, you know, our, our main business is covering high school sports. And uh, those are in the books after Memorial Day weekend. So uh, it was fun to, to move on a little bit and focus on what I like to focus on in the summer. And that's horses. Yeah. You uh, have followed Emerald Downs for a long time. Well, you've been a fan. You used to work here. And this isn't the first year you've done great coverage. So uh, we thank you very much. And uh, I'm glad you send me that link because in the course of a week, sometimes I forget, but I like clicking on your link as well and, and reading your stuff. So, uh, and you're, you're with me and Vince and uh, Bill Downs, of course, Paul, and you embedded a ticket from, uh, is that the word embedded or you, you used a ticket, you displayed a ticket in your copy of a race from Long Acres in 1973. I pr- I found the program from that day. That bet was on 12 to morning line, 12 to 1 morning line, Star of Taurus in the ninth race on July 7th, 1973. And I, I take it it probably wasn't a winning one because that's why it exists now. But uh, that <laughs> exactly. stuff uh, applies even more this year because we've got our throwback the clock day on Sunday, August 6th, when we're going to focus on Long Acres of the 1970s, which uh, as a youngster, you probably ventured out to the track a couple of times with your grandfather. Yeah, hey, I got I got started in 1974. Okay. My, my, you know, because there was, if folks don't remember, at Long Acres, you had to be 10 mm-hmm. to get in. Uh, you know, wasn't everyone at the time. Uh, and I was a tall nine year old. So, I, you know, we, we snuck us, they snuck me in, snuck in. Uh, to get my first taste. And, uh, I still remember the first horse I ever bet on snappy Nashville Boy. and uh snappy, uh, one. And I think it paid me three twenty or three, three forty, something like that on my $2 show. And, uh, Joe and, uh, Vince and Bill, uh, that $3 and change, has hooked me for life. <laughs> As it usually does. Snappy Nashville. Wow. I think, I want to say, we can look it up. I think he won at age 14 at Yakima uh, after oh, well. yeah, his yeah. Long Acres career. But, uh, you know, Paul works it, boy. Uh, fellas, he works it hard. Uh, you've got some great interviews uh, down there in the winter circle. You spend a lot of the weekend down there and uh, finding trainers and jockeys, especially people that aren't super widely known, although you've done some great longer stories on some of our prominent people over the years. But uh, nice work. I want to congratulate you on, on helping the fans get to know some of these people. Well, hey, I appreciate it. And you know what? Uh, this year uh, is, is far different um, than many others, just simply because of all the new faces. Yeah. And so the first thing I wanted to do over, you know, I, you know, over time is to, to introduce myself to the new folks, um, you know, jockeys and trainers and, uh, uh, let them know that, Hey, you know, we are covering 
And uh, what's been fascinating to me is uh, talking with the jockeys. You're talking to Luis Negron on day one. Day one was a st- uh, what he was stunned. Uh, he, he said, uh, "You know, uh, coming out of the turn, I, I think uh, Bill, you could probably remember, or any one of you, I think when there are only four horses in the very first race, yes, yep. yeah, something like that." And the crowd was great. There's a big crowd, and he said, uh, "God, when we turned for home, I wanted to know what what was all the noise." He goes, "I hadn't I hadn't heard fans cheer in years." Yeah. Uh, and so you talk with him, you talk uh, with uh, Silvio uh, Amador and Carlos Montalvo and Alexis uh, uh, Valdez, mm. and, and they're all just excited uh, to see that interaction. And again, uh, you know, that's been such a strong point of Northwest racing. Joe, as you know, uh, and Vince, you guys know, for years and years and years, regardless, folks turn out and come watch the races during the summer here in the Northwest. Yeah, you know, Paul, that's a, and, and Joe knows, he's heard me say this, I've been to racetracks all around the country, and I'm very proud, you know, to work at a place where we have a real nice track atmosphere. I try at least once a day to get down and mill about the crowd, and I'm telling you, when those horses are on post parade and they play a little song before, you can feel a buzz in the air, and people are having a good time, and it's lively, and the weather's good, and uh, I really believe if we expose people to it, more they will a certain amount will say wow this is pretty neat thing we got and that's a good point on the riders they feed off that stuff Rocco Bowen used to say the same thing those the crowd could carry them to the finish line sometimes at Emerald Downs yep they're well they're athletes right and and they respond to that uh and uh you know when you when you uh are performing in front of virtually no one for so long and then get exposed to that you know um that ego kind of kicks in there uh you, you know uh uh, and, uh, you know, I, I remember my days in, in radio, um, we never got raises. They just gave us another title to, uh, <laughs> boost our ego and they made us feel better. So, oh, well, you're, you're now the director of something. So, okay. Do I get any more money? No, but you get a b- new business card and that makes you feel better for a while. So, uh, kind of the same thing here, you know, uh, you can overlook some things, you know, uh, maybe, Maybe you could uh, go to another place where purses are a little bit higher, but the atmosphere is still just flat. And maybe you're you're here and you're going. This is just so much fun. I you know I just want to win, and and let's just see what happens at the end of the season. And uh, uh, right now it, it is a tremendous. Uh, it's one of the best jockey rooms that I think uh, we've seen in many many years. Uh, and then with the new uh, uh, new trainers here as well, it's just there's just something fresh, you know, this year uh, about this season. Paul, one of the features that you do uh, the jockey rankings since you're talking about uh, jockeys, uh, the power rankings, whatever you want to call it, uh, is something that you do every week. It usually comes out later in the week. Talk about that and talk about your, uh, I guess, your favorite newcomer. And there's a few. Obviously, Luis Negron, who's riding first call for Justin Evans, but someone that I've been uh, impressed with is Silvio Amador. I I couldn't agree with you more, Bill. And I finally got to talk to him last week. I've been meaning to talk with him for like three weeks now, and uh, you know, one race there's an inquiry, and so he's he's off. And then when I uh, so finally got him, and he only won one race this last weekend. It was the very last race, so he couldn't escape me. Uh, and uh, 
he really didn't want to do the interview on 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 video, you know on video, and I said, "Oh, he'll be fine." And and we just started talking. And a great guy, excited to be here. Yeah, I love his writing style; fits in uh, greatly. And and you're getting some odds on him as well. Uh, even when he hits the board, he's hitting the board, uh, you know, uh, pretty well as well. Uh, as well, a couple weeks ago, he was hitting at seventy three percent on the board. And I go back to fourth place, guys, because I like the superfecta. Okay, so. To me, it's important, especially for those guys that are on a twenty-seven to one shot. That get, you know, they keep riding and they get in there in that fourth place finish. So, to me, that's just, that's uh, almost as important as third place if you're a super effective player. So, I like to include that in that. Uh, and uh, you know, it's just uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, though, Bill. Silvio is is one of my favorites. Um, uh, Alexis, really a nice guy as well. Fun to talk to, as is Luis. Very good. Yeah. The jockey colony is outstanding. And, you know, Paul has always been a jockey guy. And I think it's because he was born and then he was never jockey size. He went right (laughs) past that. He could never even dream about being a jockey. So he kind of has a little envy going on there, Paul. Well, that's true, Joe. I'm still waiting for, uh, (laughs) you you know, the uh, Budweiser horses to line up the race. And then I might be able to to get on one of those. Paul was our our promotions manager and he'd take groups around. I heard him say this more than once. He goes, now contrary to what some people think, I I am not a jockey. I don't I forget how you turn <laughs> hey, that. Anyway. That's Paul, true. Paul, That's I mentioned I, I mentioned earlier one of the, you've been one of the guys kind of out front covering the whole HISA thing. Uh, the federal mandate, the new uh, laws that uh, thoroughbred racing is being run under. You got any new information or new thoughts on that whole thing as uh, we go into kind of the, well, we began at the second half of last season here. Well, I, you know what, Vince, I've kind of just laid off of that, frankly, with all the lawsuits and them changing, uh, you know, it's, it's too much. And, and I go, just figure it out and let us know what you're going to do uh, at, at this point. And, and I think there's still a couple of States that have pending lawsuits, aren't there? Yep. Yeah, there I, are. I think, yep. Louisiana, you Texas, know, Texas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so okay. until, until some of that is settled, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, it seems to me uh, the biggest one that, that fans and especially the writers were the limits on, you know, how many times you could strike a horse, you know what? In a year now, it seems like they've adjusted to it. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that that is as big a deal as it was when it first came out. No, I that, doesn't feel like it. No, I, I agree with you. There, you know, that that can be adjusted and has to be if they want to uh, get their full paycheck. So, um, you know, you can argue with the rule, but it has been adjusted to. And Paul, uh, you can get. Paul's info at uh, esn.com. It's a high school sports site, complete, thorough, comprehensive high school sports, but there's a tab for Emerald Downs and just a a lot of great stories there. We're covering that. We're covering, uh, got a a young man covering uh, the the Mariners. He was all excited. Now his excitement has been uh, somewhat... uh, uh, modified. Bill, Bill <laughs> might have something to say on that later. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you know, Bill, you know, when we're ready for that Pittsburgh Pirate uh, uh, report, we yeah. know who to go to. Yeah, well, so, I, well, out here I go to plenty of games. So uh, my uh, place where I stay at is not too far away from uh, uh, T-Mobile Field, and I'll be uh, out there for uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of uh, next week against wow. against the, the, the Marlins, at least two of those three I would expect. Uh, so the Marlins have one of the greatest young hitters in the game. He's hitting 400, I guess. Yeah. What's yeah. his name? I you know, know. He's good, though, huh? It's he's, That's baseball these days. He's good. I'm not up on it like I used to be. I could Google it, but I was just reading about it. And, you know, they're four or five games over 500, and I think that is kind of a surprise, uh, the Marlins. Well, Paul, well, thank you so much. And, you know, Paul not only uh, is an objective reporter, he's an old radio news guy, but uh, he also stimulates the handle as well. He's got a few <laughs> few wagers going uh, here and there, and uh, that's one of the reasons you called me right after. Shouldn't there be a consolation double to the four horse on that uh, Sunday thing? So, yeah. Yeah, he's right. There yeah, should be. yeah, that was about the only ticket I cashed. So that, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I was deeply, uh, deeply concerned about that one. Anyway, hey, uh, real quick, yeah, go ahead, real quick, Joe, if you have a moment. Yeah, um, our biggest story over the last—I uh, posted this on June first—and and it, it goes uh, a biggest story on on Eli Sports out of all of them, and it, and you never know what story is going to take off, but. Uh, I, I happen to just be watching horse racing, and at Presque Isle, uh, crazy final, crazy final race, a horse went the wrong way. It, it uh, threw the rider, jumped over, and took a left out of the six furlong chute, and that immediately. And I and I recorded it, and I, I have the the video up on it. If anyone is interested, it's kind of you know, no one got hurt, and that's the good news. The horse is fine, but they had to they had to call the contest as the horses the rest of the horses were turning for home they, you know loose horse on the you know the alerts were up and all the jockeys pulled their horses up went up to the outside and it was a no contest but it reminded me of a, a race at long acres it came out of the mile and a quarter shoot there weren't a whole lot of mile and a quarter races but we still had some then but i, I i'm sure it was hugh wales on the, i don't remember the name of the horse but he was on the one and when he got to that gap you know, to the far turn, that horse decided to go left, huh. and I, it stunned Hugh. I think, and he just he, he fell out. I don't believe he was injured either in that in that one, but it was uh, Jim. I think it was Jimmy Worth, one of the outriders. Yeah, correct. And you yeah. could see on the on the replay, and I'd love. Gosh, I wonder if we could figure out what race that is and figure out if we could. But you could see the horses come down the back stretch and this blur of Jimmy Worth with the horse pinned to the outside rail, riding by the other way, avoiding, you know, a disaster and protected the race. The race didn't stop. They didn't stop the race. Wow. And he ended up uh, handling them uh, in the six furlong chute, got them down there and, and corralled them. And J.D. Taylor came around the other way, of course, the other outrider then. And it just, you know, the horsemanship. And I and I saw another one. I don't know if you guys saw that. I think it was at Churchill Downs, the outrider grabbing two loose horses Greg Blossie, at yeah. one time. Yeah, he even you got know? a hand from the people right there. And, and not only did he grab both of them, he maneuvered them to the outside rail between horses. It was, just, yeah. you know, was that recent? Yeah, last weekend. Oh, my god! I've got the video. That's a I'll tremendous show it to you. story. Astonishing piece Ugh. of horsemanship. Yeah. I guess. 
Yeah, so the 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 work that these the, the unsung heroes there is is always fun uh, to to recognize them as much as you can and just to see that and and this story I mean it, it's just been I, I don't I'm surprised and it's been viewed on our site over two thousand times now. Um, wow! And it's a nondescript it's Presque Isle in Erie, Pennsylvania. I don't know any of the writers hardly. Uh, you know, I don't know the horses and just happened to be watching it. This happened and. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's something that the industry and those that are in this racing really appreciate that horsemanship, and so kind of cool to to give them their accolades when when it uh, when they they deserve it for sure. Silly trivia question: first uh, first race at Presque Isle Downs, I got the call. That was the first. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. What year? Uh, Two thousand seven. Wow. Right on. And I met my uh, my girlfriend at, up uh, up there as well, Megan. You've met, sure. Yeah. So there you go, Bill, first there, announcer you, at Presque Isle. You, okay. you didn't have to call that one. You didn't have to call the loose horse on this one here, Bill. So that's good. <laughs> that's true. Yes, uh, I, I've 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 had quite a few strange things happen during race calls, but uh, uh, yeah, the uh, I've had it where the, the like. Uh, uh, two turn race um, and the jockey loses, uh, gets off the horse, you know, gets thrown and they get hurt. And, you know, you have to make a call real quick, whether or not you're going to call the race because you need the outrider to, to alert the, yeah. to alert the uh, other uh, riders and, you know, let them know that the race is off, but you have to make a call real quick. And, and it can be a little bit hairy. I know I, I need Indiana Derby day one year, uh, we had the same that same sort of thing happen, and there was one of the one of the stakes races, one of the more well known jockeys, and, and they had to really kind of. It's tough. It's you know you don't want to call off the race, but at the same time, obviously safety comes first. And you know if the if you could get the jockey off the track safely, of course that's what you want to do. But it, it's not always as clear cut as as no. and, and at some point you just got to make it make a call. We we had a yeah. neat one a couple of years ago here that all turned out well when Alex Cruz lost the iron right at the start of the race on, yeah. on a Kazi yeah. and not only did he maneuver around, he ended up winning the race, which was a great piece of riding. And we tweeted it out and several of the retweets and likes came from fellow jockeys around yeah. the country. They they appreciate good talent when they see it. And that was yeah, I, I remember about the eighth because he's going to try to win this race, <laughs> and he did it. He's got those long legs dangling yeah. off the side. Yeah, you j at that point, you usually just want to get home safely. Another one that uh, I remember, uh, just in terms of the starting gate at Hoosier Park when they ran thoroughbreds, this is before I got out there, um, the starting gate, they have a, a two-turn race, and it's about mile 16th, but the, the, um, the starting gate's literally – maybe a uh, 150 feet after they turned into the stretch. Well, the starting gate never, never moved. And they literally came in, come into the stretch and the jockeys have probably sell their life flash before their head uh, because uh, the, the starting and somehow they, no one seriously was hurt. They kind of got some, a couple went through the inside part where they, they yeah, I'll show you it. Uh, I'm looking wow. at it right now, yeah, but that, uh, that could have been ugly. Yeah, that's so a lot of a lot of strange things happen during races, <laughs> to say the least. Jimmy Worth and J.D. Taylor, yeah, outriders for decades, pony guys at Long Acres. J. Paul brought them up. J.D. I remember talking to him. He said, "I got a new horse every 16 years. I'm on my third one now, or 
third wow. or fourth. He says, yeah, when they get to be 17 or 16, whatever age, he goes, they just don't want to work in the morning anymore. So he'd get a new one at, when they turned 16. But uh, Paul, once again, thanks for joining us. And uh, again, great work uh, for Thoroughbred Race fans from you. Hey, I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, it's just it's a great industry and we love to focus on the positive. So We'll let uh, those other uh, uh, entities that think uh, all you can do is write about the negative stuff. Uh, I don't write about that. We write about the good stuff and, uh, and the fun times uh, that happen at Emerald Downs. Very good. Thanks, Paul. See you, you soon. See you soon. Paul Beatty joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. And, uh, yeah, he uh, does a super job. Let's... Uh, Let's go to some sports shorts as we move right along. And I'll just go quickly here. Um, I was looking up some of Anthony's stats and his Belmont winners, Anthony Stabil, and he did have Tiz the Law, who was six for nine. He's going to have his first two-year-olds next year, Tiz the Law. He's by Constitution, who was four for eight. Constitution's by Tappet, who was three for six. Tappet's by Pulpit, who was four for six. Pulpits by AP Indy, who was 8 for 11. AP Indies by Seattle Slough, who was 14 for 17. And that's a pretty darn good sire line. 39 for 57, those horses, 68% wins. And of the three of those that ran in the Belmont, Seattle Slough, AP Indy, and Tis the Law, they all won the Belmont. So. That sire line, uh, you know, more focused on Tappet these days. Pretty successful. Bill? I'll go really oh, quick. Vince? Um, because we've run pretty long. But the name of the guy hitting 400, I believe, is Luis Arias okay. of the Miami Marlins. He is batting at 403 as he seeks to become the first major league player to hit 400 uh, since 1941. Of course, we're only 63 games through the year. He's a young guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Nope. Seattle Mariners update. They did not have a very good week last week. They went to Texas and got their butts oh, whooped. Boy. Uh, only one performance from a starting pitcher that was worth a, a darn from Castillo, but he went up against their uh, ace and they lost that game 2 nothing. Then they got their their proverbial butts kicked 16-6 to and 12-3. to And then San Diego, they got a great performance, starting pitching performance from Logan Gilbert, which was nice to see. But then uh, George Kirby had a a rare bad performance and they got, they got smoked in that game. So, um, lo and behold, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the team, uh, lost four or five games and they play the angels coming up, um, you know, at, at uh, Anaheim at the big a, no pun intended with their guest, Anthony Stabile, but, uh, uh, that, you know, Three games against the Angels, and they come home against uh, the Miami Marlins. They always forget that they call it the Miami Marlins. They changed that a couple years back. And then uh, the White Sox at home. But uh, it doesn't get much easier after that. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, you know, they you know, they got one guy back from uh, uh, the bullpen, Munoz, um, who was a big uh, setup guy last year. Um, so I think they'll help them, but they still can't hit. I, 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 you know, they got, besides Julio's starting to heat up a little bit and, 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 uh, Kalanick, they, they just don't have much in four, terms of bats. Four of the top five strikeout guys in the AL are Mariners. Yeah. You're kidding. No, nope. yeah. that is not good. Nope. For well, eight, low contact is eight position players, huh? Yeah. And they got a lot of, you know, they got a lot of, Bill would tell, they got a lot of dead weight in that lineup. 
But yeah. That guys who not only are not hot, but they no reason to believe they're going to get hot. So. Yeah, it's basically you know Suarez is going to have to turn it around and Teoscar and Teoscar did actually have one homer uh, in the last couple games, but uh, if those are the guys are going to have to turn it around, otherwise uh, I don't know how they are going to. Kelnick has cooled off really bad. Yeah, yeah. do you have an over win total bet for the he Mariners? Does. I do. But What's that look, number? Uh, Eighty-eight not, or something? Eighty-seven, 87. and a half. So okay. we're at thirty and thirty-one. So we got to pick it up a little. Pick bit. it up a little. Yes. Okay. All right, sports shorts, Emerald Down selections. I'm going to go to the fourth race on Friday night. It's a short field of uh, fillies and mares sprinting six furlongs, but some good names in there. Ms. Lynn, Oreo's Dream, Pearl River Delta, Ms. Parkside, and Emerald Sea. Joe's going to try to beat Ms. Parkside. I think Oreo's Dream can run good. You know, she she was third, not a huge factor in her debut last year. For trainer Greg Moore, Zazen won it real easily, but uh, then she ran second to Pearl River Delta, and we know Pearl River Delta had a huge season last year. And then she beat Pearl River Delta real easily. So, um, and she can lay close. Uh, Kevin Radke, I like the fact he's riding back for Greg Moore. He rode her in her debut here on May 20th. Uh, she's 6-1 to one in a five-horse field, and I, I think she can be an impact in there. Ms. Parkside, of course, is four for six at this track right over the last couple of years. So I like Oreo's Dream at a price there in the fourth. Logical uh, horse, I think, in the fourth race on Saturday. It's a $5,000 claimer going six furlongs. I wish Kelly Boji wasn't in the race, but uh, the seven, what was I thinking, got claimed out of the race. Now in the barn of Justin Evans to get Luis Negron aboard. Uh, this this uh, uh, gelding uh, ran in a very, very uh, fast pace on May mm-hmm. 29th. And I remember the race, uh, there were a lot of need the lead type of horses in that race. And what was I thinking was the speed of the speed and uh, held on uh, until deep stretch and then faded back to third in a race that uh, uh, I, I was very, very looking forward to with El Chavo de Ocho, who came from off the pace in that race to win. So I, I always thought that what was I thinking could find a race that uh, um, there may not be as much speed. And yes, Kelly Boji showed a lot of early speed last time out, but he was a clear lead in that race on May 14th. But uh, I'll go with what was I thinking uh, for Justin Evans in race number four on Saturday. Did we get a morning line on that one? Uh, I did not see. Vince but is working on Sunday already. I got it. I That's okay. I anyway. want to say seven to two. There you go. Okay. All right, so there's a couple of selections. Again, racing Friday night at 7, Saturday and Sunday at 2 this weekend. Belmont Stakes on Saturday. Bulldog Racing on Sunday. That'll be fun. The Indian Relay's just a week away. It's our first stakes races. So, okay, uh, let's finish it off with our trivia last week. Uh, question was, who was Washington? who was the top Washington-bred Philly or Mayor Erner? In 2022, we know Zippin' Sevens was third. Anthony's Cleopatra is her name, and she is in training this year. She's running pretty well, just ran second in an allowance down at Golden Gate, but she made 88950 She was Washington-bred number one filly or mare earner last year. Rob Arthur got that one right. We had a few uh, correct submissions. Rob won the drawing, so you've got an Emerald Downs ball cap coming, Rob. And send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Our new question is, uh, name the horse who was entered in a Belmont Stakes. 
And if he had won, he would have been the third straight Belmont winner from the same dam. Three years in a row it would have been. So it's a little... I didn't give a lot of clues on that, but it, it was in the Emerald Downs era. I'll give you that. So the horse who was entered in a Belmont, if he had won the race, he would have been the third straight winner of the Belmont Stakes from the same broodmare. Okay, send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Anything else, fellas? No. Okay. Thanks to Anthony Stabile and Paul Beatty for joining us, and we'll see you at the races. This is Horse Racing Northwest. <laughs>